It's Tennessee Titans talk, free agent reaction. Getting ready to do this show with Landon and John. Big news hits. Jarrell Casey traded to the Denver Broncos for a late round pick. Word we're getting is a seventh rounder. You guys know Jarrell Casey's my favorite Tennessee Titan. Jarrell Casey is owed more than $11 million this year, $12 million next year, $13 million in 2022. John, they're ramping up for a big move here. They're about to swing for a big trade or sign Jadavian Clowney, right? We're in the market for Clowney or Fowler or somebody big, kind of big trade or who knows. Man, we just found out about this moments ago and then heartbreaking because we love this guy. You know, he was the one that was competing when we were had terrible records and he never gave up. Yeah, tough hill to swallow. Drew Casey's a pillar of this team and for the culture rebuild to, to get us back to being a winning team. But I know you're a sure guy and highly analytical towards this sort of thing. Even in just a few minutes to process it, assuming that we get a good pass rusher here because of this room, we're obviously, I would hope so, clearing room for a big fish here. Well, I agree that we're definitely making a move because we're not in cap. We could have afforded him if we wanted him. But I think we realize, especially against the Kansas City Chiefs and the AFC Championship, game our defensive front is really good against the run but that's not what wins you games in the nfl you have to be really good against the pass and we have simmons on a rookie deal daquan jones is on a cap friendly number and plays great joe casey was the odd man out where we can't really be playing three heavy down linemen three defensive tackles all at the same time and expect to win against the passing game so we save 11 million we're probably going to get another pass rusher and it's just going to make our front seven lighter and better against the pass and that's how you win championships so we're not going to talk about this a lot because we're probably going to find out within the day and probably start the this podcast with with the news of who we do sign uh, would be my guess. Jadavian Clowney can be a fit. He hasn't really found his market to this point. He would be a good addition. Honestly, I hope this is a swing for a trade. I hope we're kind of, we've seen guys that we didn't really know were on the market like Casey. We'll, we'll see guys. This could be a totally out of the box or we could just be getting Clowney. As tough as it's going to be, <laughs> as big of news as that is, <laughs> let's talk about a very busy couple of days for the Titans and the NFL. Fell. In our last podcast, we talked uh, about Tannehill. We, I think a lot of people, the perception is, why didn't they just franchise Ryan Tannehill? Uh, I mean, you know, I've always been a Marcus Mariota fan, obviously, so sad to actually come to the realization that he is no longer on our team and that we have a different quarterback moving forward. So a little bittersweet, but Ryan Tannehill did a lot of great things for us. I think signing him became more prevalent towards the end of the year, and we kind of, everybody had that realization, the thought of Tom Brady coming in, you know, is flattering. But even on the last episode, I predicted, you know, I, I said we would do Tannehill. I didn't know we would get him for the number that we did. I think we kind of maybe overpaid for him a little bit. I would have liked to see a lower number. You know, if he takes us to the Super Bowl, then who's really to argue over a couple million dollars? So I feel good. I really would have felt better if we found a way to get Derrick Henry locked up as well long term. But I know that you guys are in favor of the franchise tag for Henry. But I kind of thought it would happen. Tannehill would get the tag and then Derrick Henry would get the long term deal. A little reversal of that. But as long as we got the group together, I think we'll be okay uh, a matter of seeing how things shake out yeah I, I think we had to do one or the other to risk losing them both i really think that henry is just not budging on on a contract i think they're far apart as of right now i don't think they wanted to franchise him because i don't think he'll come to camp or maybe not even start the season with us i think they did what they had to do ultimately though uh yeah it's sticker shock when we think about this contract with the the third year being guaranteed a year from now this is them committing to ryan Tannehill for the next three years three years not quite 90 million seems like a lot but by the time we start playing uh, the season kicks off hopefully in september uh, he'll be a probably the ninth highest paid 
by annual salary quarterback in the NFL. And that's why they did it, right, Landon? They did it so they could have their guy and risk if they franchise him. He has a big year. We're going to see Mahomes deal by next year. We're going to see a lot of the stuff. And the going rate's going to be 35 instead of 28 and a half. That, that's why they did that, right, Lane? Oh, absolutely. And with the news that Dak wants $35 million a year at minimum, this deal looks even better because it's about 30 a year, $5 million less is something in your in-cap space. And Ryan Tannehill, I thought, was better than Dak Prescott. Now he's older. He doesn't have a proven track record. This could be a fluke, but this front office trusts in him that he's going to continue to play at a high level, that he's going to be more comfortable in this offense. He'll be just as good. You're getting a guy who played like a top five quarterback for top 10 money. That's really how teams win, like with the Patriots. Tom Brady, top three quarterback at worst, but he's getting paid top 10 money when he started taking discounts near the end of his deal. That little bit of extra maneuvering, that little bit extra of cap space matters when you're trying to fill little niches, little holes. And I just really like it because there are going to be some guys making more than Ryan Tannehill. I think Tannehill is better than. I think they found their guy for their price, kind of moving forward. I still think they passed on Brady. Brady, it looks like he's going to end up in Tampa Bay. I think he was willing to come to Nashville. It's just interesting all this kind of came after they signed Tannehill. And I really do think we, we had that option. I like the move. It's tough seeing guys come and go. But in the past, like I never thought we had a front office that was really at least really bold and on the front of everything. Like this Drell Casey thing. Yeah, that's tough. I, I have his jersey in my closet. And I think he's got good years in front of him, but they're trying to get better. They're not trying to be cheap. They're not stuck in the past. They are just continually trying to get better. And that was the deal. I think they took and made every effort they could with Tannehill. And I just trust that that's the deal they could get. And honestly, they know the risks with Derrick Henry, but I think they're going to try to, after the dust settles, get something done with him. I don't think we'd make every decision that our front office has made, but you see the effort and time and the strategy, right? They've identified a position that was on our roster to high of a salary number affords us different opportunities that we are not able to do previously. Kind of like Landon mentioned, you know, this will clear up money to to get a different free agent. We'll have Jeffrey Simmons there as well. You know, we talked before we got on the air about these guys being a little bit redundant now that Simmons, you know, we weren't supposed to have Simmons yet. And I bet if he didn't play at all last year, this trade wouldn't have gone down. Seeing what we had in Jeffrey Simmons last year made the front office a little bit more comfortable potential going forward and made Casey a little bit more expendable. So they made a really prudent move to to move him and get the salary off the books. Okay, guys, so we've got a lot of things to cover here. Man, we are right in the middle of everything. We're going to talk about the Brady thing a little bit later when it's confirmed that he's going to Tampa Bay. Let's talk about our free agents. Let's start. Obviously, Derrick Henry has been franchised. We're going to talk about that. We expect them to work on something long term. That's going to be a really interesting piece. But the important thing is he didn't hit free agency. They didn't want to lose him. So I think they made the tough decision there. Jack Conklin uh, did not get as much money total as we'd expected, but he did wind up in Cleveland. Cleveland. I think at the end of the day, they essentially priced us out by giving him $20 million for next year. Landon, give us the details of what Conklin actually got. Well, it's three years, $42 million, and front-loaded with $20 million the first year. I was really surprised because there were reports that he was going to get $16 million a year, even more. This is only 14 that was front-loaded. I think that's why we didn't bring him back, because we couldn't afford $20 million the first year with our cap structure and some of the moves we're trying to make. It did allow us to re-sign Dennis Kelly and take a flyer on Vic Beasley. So the idea was, we'll downgrade at right tackle, but we'll pick up a flyer at edge rusher. So, Kelly... Got quite a bit. I think the most he'd ever made in a year is a million and a half dollars. Tell us about his deal. They 
overpaid him to make sure he was coming because that would have been a pickle. I, and we had talked a couple months ago that if Conklin walks, which he did, ultimately, I don't think he got what he wanted because as far as uh, amount of money per year, when you look at his tape, he is not a great pass protector. And he doesn't really seem to have the upside to become one. He's a good run blocker and he can be acceptable as a pass blocker. But I think that's kind of hurt his ceiling. And ultimately, I think it's the reason why we, we let him walk. Well, they gave him three years, 21 million. $8 million guaranteed, so it's just a one-year deal. That's very fair because when he had spot starts at right tackle two years ago, when Conklin got hurt again, he performed pretty well. If you can get a decent, even just slightly above average, offensive tackle for $7 million, that's a pretty good deal. And it's only one year guaranteed, so if he struggles full-time, we can cut him next year at no cost to us. Yeah, so it's essentially a one-year deal, but they made sure they had somebody, and, I, and they're going to definitely draft somebody and seek to, to play that long-term. But as we saw with the last two seasons, Kelly is a guy you can count on in a pinch. But we have said over and over, this team knows they need a more effective pass rush to really be a Super Bowl contender because you just look at all the Super Bowl contenders, and they are living up to that by trading an icon of this team, Jarrell Casey, cutting another one in Delaney Walker. They're going all out, and I appreciate rooting for a team that at least knows and isn't just satisfied with the status quo. If you really watch football and you really look at the last several years of football history, you've got to have, if you don't have like one of the five best quarterbacks of all time, you have to have a really good pass rush from other places. Vic Beasley, I know Landon, you are not a big fan. We get him on a show me offer, one year, nine and a half million dollars. I like these show me contracts. The guy's 26 years old. His sack numbers can be misleading, but he's a good young Kyle Van Noy got $15 million for next year. So, I mean, that's your market. That we get him for nine and a half. With a max know, of 12. I, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> if we'd assigned him for two and a half years guaranteed and all that, I, I'm with Landon, but I, this is just us loading up, right? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a great move. I'm really excited about it. I I, <laughs> I liked Vic Beasley in college, and then he lit it up at the Combine, which that's where everybody gets my attention. So I've been a fan of him for a while, and then he came out in Atlanta in 2016, and led the league in sacks with 15 and a half and he's had a down year but um all reports and indications says that he was just unmotivated in atlanta and wasn't really engaged so i am super confident that mike Vrabel and his staff can get the best out of him and we'll just have to see but but yeah i'm excited about the move i think it's a deal and if it doesn't work out then see you next year we'll let you walk i, I think we're i think we're loading up so we you know we had a taste of it time to go further yeah i still don't like this signing, especially at nine and a half million, that's a sizable amount. But I can at least understand where the front office is coming from. He's got high upside off the edge as an athletic outside linebacker. He fits our scheme. We're assuming that our improved front seven compared to Atlanta's will bring out the best to him. Our run defense is better, so he won't be targeted as much and he can focus more on pass rushing. He at least has potential. I'm not a fan of this, but I at least understand what the front office is trying to do. And at least there's that. We could be Bill O'Brien trading a superstar receiver for nothing. So thank God we aren't that. We're going to have our hearts broken a little bit today. Some players were attached to, but I'm not scratching my head per se. I, I, I get the logic. This is really fun and tough in other ways. I know you have a, a real connection and respect for Marcus Mariota. We had predicted that he would go to the FC West. Vegas Raiders just seemed too obvious. Uh, this guy goes back out West where he's a hero. Uh, you know, when, we, when we've when we gone to drafts, we've gone to other cities and seen Titans fans. There's Titans fans in the Pacific Northwest uh, just because he's there Peyton Manning, like people here. I mean, people follow his career because he, I mean, the guy won a Heisman at Oregon. So he's just a really big deal. He goes out West. It seems like a good fit. West Coast offense. He's going to try to be the 2020 Ryan Tannehill, right? 
I saw a meme online, and I, I sent it to both of you guys, about Marcus Mariota going to Vegas, and that he'll be the first millionaire under 30 living in Vegas to go to go to bed faithful every night at 7.30 p.m. So I thought that was kind of hilarious, but it kind of speaks to Marcus's character, and that, you know, of all the things that you might have to worry about with a quarterback, his off-the-field stuff is never, ever going to be a problem. Um, and, you know, he showed a lot of character with the way he kind of handled being replaced in, in Nashville, to Ryan Tannehill, and I, I just think he learned a lot from the sidelines and more than he ever could have learned starting in a, a failing offense, more or less. So I think he's got a great opportunity ahead of him. I'm happy for him, excited for him, sad for us that we don't get to keep him, but, you know, it's just what, what, what it's come to, so excited for him. So ultimately, he goes to a place where he knows there's a rocky relationship between, you know, the quarterback and the coach. Carr, you talked about attitude and all that. I, I like David Carr. David Carr. I like Derek Carr as a person. I mean, he seems like a good guy and everything. But at the end of the season, man, his attitude, like when things didn't go right, surprised me. I don't think Gruden is going to stand for that. I, I don't know if Mariota has the chops, but I think we'll find out. I think this rest that he's had, I think is a big deal. I, I still think, uh, just watching him play, like he did not have a live arm. And you see guys get a year off, a calendar year off, and maybe he'll have that bounce. But the offense is a good fit, and obviously I believe everybody in Nashville is going to root for him uh, to to resume his career as an NFL starter, and I'll, I'll be rooting for him over there. We were calculating before the show, after this Casey trade, we're going to have about, not including what we have to pay draft picks, about $32 million in cap space. So we have whatever means we need. Now, we're not going to spend all that on one player, of course, but we have the means necessary to swing a big trade, go all in on a pass rusher that's what we all think is about to happen right or sign Jadavian Clowney we're probably going to find out in a few hours but quickly guys uh Landon what, what's your prediction on what we do with this this leverage we have with this Casey trade I'm seeing rumors that Chris Jones is being shopped around as a tag and trade which we know and with Beasley and Landry already at edge maybe we don't go with Clowney as expensive as he would be we trade for Jones then we have Simmons and Jones on the inside and we switch to a 4-3 defense and so that's what I would expect I think Chris Jones makes a lot of sense to fill in the gap Casey left. He's got high upside as a pass rusher, and we can cover up his run defense deficiencies. It just gives our defense a higher ceiling against the pass. There's no question. He was really, really good uh, for Kansas City. He was kind of the heart of their – and he's a different type of guy, but he's younger and more athletic. What what compensation would you think we'd have to give up to get him? I assume it would take our second. I haven't seen a ton of rumors that he's getting a ton of interest. He can't always stay healthy. He's poor against the run, so that devalues – his trade market but if we give up our second number 61 we had to pay him whatever he wanted which would take up a good bit a good bit of our cap that's left i would be fine with it because you watched him in the super bowl he changed the entire game in the fourth quarter he single-handedly shut down their offense and gave them time to make a comeback if you add that guy on the interior with our secondary and linebacker core i'd be really excited for this defense he's that modern super kind of athletic guy from from the middle uh yeah that would be really interesting big fella what do you think about a potential jones as a titan or and what do you think we're gonna what do you think we're up to here as good as jones was i just don't know if i really buy him being a titan i don't i don't know if that's the the move we make personally i think you know with casey gone loading up the cap space i think we do kind of like what we hinted at either we go hard for Clowney or for Fowler, or like you mentioned, possibly swing a trade. I'm thinking maybe Yannick and Gakwe, and then use the rest to re-sign Logan Ryan, or I've liked Desmond Trufant 
uh, you know, he, and he got cut from the Falcons. I don't think, as of right now, I don't think he's been signed by any team. So he'd be an interesting addition, too, if we don't bring back Logan Ryan. But I really think right now we're going for one of those three big names that pass rusher. I think either, or maybe even Matt Judon from the Ravens in a tag-and-trade scenario. So I think those are kind of the four guys I would look at as far as Clowney, Fowler, and Gakwe, and Judon, uh, and then try to lock, use the, re- the remaining money to lock up uh, another cornerback or maybe even use that money to get the rest of the extension done with Derrick Henry so we don't have to worry about him not showing up for the season and, you know, we have him under contract. So after the last couple of days and the crazy trades, it's been a super fun. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we're making a run at a guy that's not really on the board or being thought of. Nothing would surprise me after the couple of days we've had in the NFL. I know this Houston trade blew your mind. Give us the details on what brought David Johnson to Houston and sent DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona. <laughs> so Houston gives up DeAndre Hopkins, a top three receiver in his prime, on a Hall of Fame trajectory, and this year's fourth rounder for David Johnson, the fourth highest paid running back who's going to count $11 million against the cap, who's injured, a 2020 second rounder, thir- number 38 from the Cardinals, and a 2021 fourth rounder. So they lost in every facet of this trade. Hopkins is infinitely better than a second rounder. Even in a historic, even in a historic wide receiver draft class like this, you dream of drafting a guy that could get close to Hopkins' potential. I'd rather have $11 million in cap space than have to pay David Johnson a broken down running back that, and they downgraded a fourth rounder for absolutely no reason. Bill O'Brien has to be a sleeper agent for the Tennessee Titans and every other AFC South team, because this is the worst deal I've ever seen in my life. It's hard to make sense of this deal. <laughs> Big fella, your, your thoughts on kind of, if you're if you're trying to find logic uh, with the Texans, obviously Hopkins had a bit of a mercurial relationship with Bill O'Brien. The logic is obviously that the way they run their offense and Deshaun Watson sort of makes stars out of receivers. I mean, you saw Kenny Stills come over from Miami and look very good. And when Will Fuller is healthy, he's very good. And they had some guys they had to depend on that I'd never heard of that looked pretty well out there. I think that's the logic. And this is a team that does not have, did not have a pick in the first two rounds. And they got, what, the 40th pick? That is a big part of this too. I am definitely not rationalizing this trade, but you understand how at some level they talk. Now, the David Johnson thing I don't understand because there's no proof he can stay healthy. As far as the evaluation of running backs, that just seems a little far out. But you see why they want the pick. And you see how they think they can live without DeAndre Hopkins. I guess. I mean, I'm not as excited about it as Landon. Just because I just can't get to there. I can't understand why. I mean, yeah, some of those Landon things. Landon's excited because he thinks right. it directly helps us. Oh, and it, I think it does. because he thinks it's absolutely to get that guy. Because he ate us alive uh, at times. He, getting that guy out of, out of our division is just like free oh, money. Oh, I agree. But still, I mean, if you would have asked me five days, like five days ago, who's the safest person in our division to stay put i would easily have said probably said deandre hopkins i mean like landon mentioned he's a future hall of fame player and he looked good with all sorts of quarterbacks not just deshaun watson i mean he is just incredible and to kind of let him go for peanuts is kind of nuts and to assume that risk now they haven't had a running back since arian foster that they can trust and maybe they think it's david johnson he had a great great year two years ago um but hasn't done much since so it's a scratch off ticket for them i guess and they're they're putting their hope in him and randall cobb and you know just hoping they can figure it all out but i just don't i i 
overall, I don't get it. I think it's crazy. But to Landon's point and to your point, great for us. You know, we don't have to worry about him anymore. <laughs> I know some folks are going to point at the contract that DeAndre Hopkins has three years left on that he's not happy with. But in the new CBA, Landon pointed out before the show that guys are not really allowed to hold out effectively uh, on a second contract without severe penalties. So Houston had that leverage. I think at the end of the day, Bill O'Brien was ready to move on from his personality. Um, and sometimes when you can't make that work, you just uh, really miss the talent. And uh, we will see. I do think, I think they're passing it and be okay with Adam, but I just don't necessarily understand the value uh, coming back. Let's talk about other trades. Um, I thought it was really interesting and a bit of a surprise to see the Vikings get the value that they did for a player that I don't really enjoy. I mean, he's a really good player, his attitude and, and all that stuff. But tell me what you think about uh, Stefan Diggs and the value that they got for him, John. I see the logic for Minnesota. They have an offense like us. They don't need to be paying two wide receivers top 12 money, right? So they pick Thielen. They're going to move forward with him. They're going to get a lot of good compensation. But were you surprised that he was on the move? And are you surprised what they got for him? Um, I was surprised what they got for him. I was not surprised he was on the move. That had been rumored even in season last year that he was going to be moved. So the fact that he finally was... You know, it wasn't really shocking, but they got a 2020 first round pick, a 2020 fifth round pick, 2026 fifth round pick, and a 2021 fourth round pick. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, that's just absolutely crazy value for a guy who, I mean, I, I think with Diggs and Thielen, it was hard to tell if either of them were a one or if they were both twos, but he's going to step into a situation where they really need some wide receiver help. They've got a lot of guys who were twos, maybe threes. So now they get a guy that kind of just moves up their pecking order. And I think he could be pretty good and they want to kind of build around their young quarterback. So more power to them, but that's a lot to give up. Landon, this is all about Josh Allen for for the Bills, right? They're going to do everything they can to, to, to put the right pieces around him. Uh, he has a big arm, and Stephon Diggs is, a, is an explosive, explosive receiver. Oh, absolutely. Probably their biggest need in the offseason would, would have been uh, outside wide receiver because Cole Beasley is better suited as a slot and third down receiver. And at 22, where they likely have picked some rookie, no one was going to come close to what Stephon Diggs is at at right now so they traded away the potential and the cap savings for an immediate impact star and in buffalo he's going to get his targets he doesn't have to compete with adam thielen josh allen will give him the ball they don't have the run game that minnesota has where kirk cousins would throw 15 times and they win the game josh allen's going to throw 25 times or more most of the time he's going to get his targets so stefan diggs should hopefully be placated because he gets what he wants he gets to be the number one he gets he gets his he gets his numbers and it's going to be on a good team they're probably going to win the division now that tom brady He's left the Patriots. They're going to make the playoffs. He's got an interesting young quarterback who's got the arm to go to him deep. And it, I actually think it's a very fair deal for both sides. So I don't remember a year, um, and I know a lot of things are different. Uh, I wonder I wonder if because the interviews aren't going to happen, the physicals, uh, when they bring uh, these players in, it seems like the value of the first round this year, and I, there are a lot of good players coming out. I haven't heard anything any different. Is it weird to you, John, that the 13th pick in this draft has been traded, the 22nd pick has been traded on the last couple days? That isn't normal, is it? 
is it because of the circumstances of, of what we're going through now? Because this trade and the Colts just giving the 13th pick in the draft, I don't remember anything like that unless it was a swing for like a, like a transformative player. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of unprecedented. It's pretty weird. I think a lot of teams don't really know what they're going to get. Getting a, a prospect that they have to maybe commit an extra fifth year option to, maybe they just don't want to do that. But it's pretty weird. I mean, I'm... St- you know, like you guys, I'm I'm still excited about the draft. I'm excited about the prospects. Obviously, it's going to, you know, the information the teams are going to be able to collect from these players is going to be limited uh, compared to previous years. But, you know, <laughs> there's still a whole bunch of tape to see what they did. There's still the combine to see what they did. Some of these kids had pro days. I'm sure they can still do video conference interviews and kind of figure all that stuff out. So I, I, it is kind of surprising that we're seeing first-round picks uh, be traded away right now. Normally, I expect that kind of stuff to happen on draft night when somebody falls in love with a player and they move up to get him. And I think the fact that teams are trading now makes that less likely. Just an interesting time to be a fan of the NFL. And I think a lot of the stuff we're going to see is going to be unprecedented from here going forward. Well, well said. Let's talk about the Colts. DeForest Buckner, he gets $22 million a year. Uh, he's a good player. Boy, he looked really good last year. Physically, he looks like a guy that could just get better. He's enormous. Obviously, was a top 10 pick. Landon, but the 13th pick, I, I mean, I question that. I don't know you guys didn't as much. And the Colts need a good presence on their defensive line, and, and he certainly can be that. What did you think of that deal? What do you think of DeForest Buckner? Well, I think he's really good. I mean, he was an all-pro. He's probably a top five interior defensive lineman. He's proven he's gotten better every year he produced before San Francisco had their superstar defensive line. So it's not just everyone else was so good. He just had one-on-ones that he can easily win. My only question is, in Indy, their defensive line is much worse. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, D. Ford are all better than Andy's best defensive linemen. So Buckner is going to get double teams all the time because teams aren't going to respect everyone else around him. In San Francisco, you can't really double anyone except Nick Bosa off the edge because everyone else is just going to feast on your offensive line. So he's really good. They got an established all-pro at with the pick that they were probably going to use on defensive line anyway. They probably would have taken like Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina there. So they get an established player. They pay him with all their cap space that they weren't going to use anyway. The, the cap is going to jump a lot with this new CBA and the increased game so it'll look like even more of a value my only question is I don't think he will be he will be as good when he's the focal point of offenses I agree and I know why teams pursue athletic defenders for the defensive line I get that there's a lot to give up money and and trade value San Francisco now has a good young team and the 13th pick which they can use for the best player available. They don't have this obvious need per se. So that's going to be really interesting for them and kind of how they proceed with that. John, we were right. Philip Rivers is heading to Indianapolis. We've talked a lot on this podcast about we think he's done. We respect him as a player. I don't know. He could uh, he could show some more life. He'll be playing in that dome. What do you think the fit is? Obviously, Frank Reich was his offensive coordinator for a time in Los Angeles. Is this going to work out well for the Colts? I hope it does. Well, I hope it does for their sake, not for our sake. I feel like we're a team that kind has Philip Rivers figured out. We didn't get him this year, but it wasn't due to him. But I think it's a good alternative. I don't know why they all got, why everybody suddenly got so sour on Jacoby Brissett. I'm, you know, he was a guy we couldn't tackle, didn't know how to tackle at all. But, you know, they're swinging for the fences here with Rivers, a $25 million deal for one year. 
it's a solid signing, I guess. I uh, I was watching a, a highlight tape for not just I was watching ESPN the other day, and they were showing just quick like videos of Philip Rivers, and man, his throwing motion is so weird. I was just I couldn't get over it. I'm like, this yeah. guy got 25 million dollars. Well, that was the um, thing coming out of North Carolina State. It's like, yeah, that's not gonna work, but. He's never changed it, and it works. Yeah, he's made it work to now, and you know he's he's one of those borderline Hall of Fame candidates. You know, even now, it'll be curious to see kind of how they treat him and what they do and how they kind of look going forward. But but yeah, I mean, they may have now one of the best backups in the league with Jacoby Brissett. Um, so really interesting stuff in uh, Indianapolis. I think since he's owed $15 million next year, I don't know if any of it's guaranteed. I think he'll be on the move. And we're going to talk about maybe that a little bit. But we all like Jacoby Brissett. I, I don't think he's Joe Montana, but I, I do think that's interesting. But we'll just assume they know what, what they're doing to a degree. But I hope Jacoby Brissett gets another, uh, another shot as an NFL starter uh, even in 2020. Landon, the Baltimore Ravens, speaking of things, we nobody uh, on this podcast is in love with the Ravens, but we have to admit they have a long track record of smart deals, and it seems like they've made just more really smart deals in the last two days, right? Oh, absolutely. They traded a fifth-round pick they got from trading their backup kicker for Calais Campbell, and now they did give him an extension. He's going to be making about $15 million a year. He's in his mid-30s, but they were really short on defensive linemen. They can afford it since Lamar Jackson's only in year three and on a rookie deal, so that's they reset their defensive line with him and Brandon Williams. And they signed Michael Brockers and Frey to see for $10 million a year. And really the weakness of their defense, which was the run game, pretty much got fixed overnight because their defensive line couldn't really affect it. That's what happened in two of their losses. Cleveland ran all over them. Derrick Henry ran all over them. And now they've got three legit 300-pound-plus defensive linemen who are all great against the run. And they're just learning from their mistakes and just shoring up the holes they have. They also made a trade. And uh, two, two drafts ago, it was a head-scratcher that they... Uh, drafted the 25-year-old Hayden Hurst from South Carolina, and he wasn't the best tight end in that draft. And they get a second and a fourth for Hurst and a fifth, so they get second round plus for a guy they don't need. And he's not bad or anything, but Atlanta is desperate to have a tight end. They're in such uh, cap issues that they're just having, they just sort of had to have somebody. And Baltimore is that patient team that waits for teams to be in some kind of pickle, and then they quote-unquote bell them out and make them pay for it, right? So what were you, what was your thoughts, big fella, on Hayden, them getting a second round plus? So I think we were all just kind of flabbergasted at the fact that they took a tight end because they've invested in a tight end before so and me personally i wasn't really much in at all on hayden hurst tell you the truth never heard of her <laughs> so it was just impressive to see them do that and you know now they're moving on from it with you know without taking any real steps backward so well, they have mark andrews and now they have a second round pick so right uh, even when so, they make a poor decision quote unquote they they get out they of still it get good value for it and okay so whatever we're gonna brag on them a little bit yeah, they're blah. really good and uh, calais campbell is gonna age well they didn't pay a lot for him everyone else oh, yeah. is paying big bucks for interior defensive line guy he's just so big and so sturdy I, I think he'll age well and i don't think he needs any sort of he doesn't rely on any great athleticism he just has like seven foot arms and he does right. that and he's just the biggest bear so that also his voice his voice is so terrifying like yeah. 
You know, if you were to talk to me across the line, I'd be like, okay, I'm done. Whatever, I'm it. I'm retiring. Yeah. I retire right do, now. Do, do what you need to do. I'm, uh, 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 do what you need to do. I'm done. So, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, good old Teddy Two Gloves, uh, is going to be a Panther. And Cam Newton is being a bit of a baby. I, I think it's semantics. Carolina just said, hey, he has free. You know, I don't think they were implying anything per se and Greg Olson is mad but you know teams move on from players I mean that is how it works uh I think I think it's an interesting fit you see what they're trying to do they're trying to take a page out of our book right they're gonna have a really good running game they're gonna try and then they want a guy a really steady guy back there right land that's that's the idea for them so uh what did you think about uh Teddy Bridgewater for what 60 million dollars for three years Um, what did you think about him to Carolina it feels like a really fair deal because in the games he had to step in for Drew Brees, he played fine. Now, obviously, the Saints have a much better team and specifically offensive talent than the Panthers, but he still performed really well as a backup. He's only costing $20 million, which is an absolute bargain for a free agent quarterback. And they've got the offensive weapons, at least, to where he can replicate that. Christian McCaffrey is amazing. DJ Moore had over 1,000 yards. I think Teddy Bridgewater can actually hit Curtis Samuel going deep, unlike Kyle Allen. That'll really open up things for the offense. And then that opens up their their draft strategy to improving the defense and offensive line, improving the infrastructure because they traded Cam Noon, they didn't sign Bridgewater. They'd pretty much be forced into drafting a quarterback or tanking a year when they have Christian McCaffrey and all these other guys on rookie deals. So it's a really fair it's a fair contract. My only question is he hasn't really played my only question is the last time he was a full time starter, he wasn't that spectacular, but it's decent enough, good enough for the Panthers. Uh, John, I think that means that Carolina doesn't want to rebuild. They don't want to trade CMC. They want to they want to try to compete and be, you know, as good as they can without having to start over, right? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you don't want you. They signed Matt Rule as their coach for a pretty decent deal. I think it was a seven-year contract, but they don't want him to have to rebuild. They have some really great pieces there, and they want to keep those intact. Specifically, Christian McCaffrey. I don't think anybody in their right mind should ever want to trade that guy so yeah i I just think that it's something that they want to kind of get rolling pretty quickly i I can't believe we don't hear more about this but i am so fascinated by who's going to be the quarterback for the patriots next year i was listening to dan levitard yesterday i don't listen to him a lot but he said something really funny because they thought they really thought for a while yesterday morning that tom brady was going to go to the dolphins and i thought it was so weird that a team that shed good players just to not have to pay them later or just to get draft value was immediately over the last two days spent a lot of money on players i really thought they would sit this year out i don't know what's happened and that kind of made you think well maybe they're gearing up for for brady because as weird as that sounds you could see with the ego or whatever's going on between i don't even think it was one incident or anything i just think there's so much ego between belichick and brady Uh, dan levitard was like the idea is i'm going to show you i'm going to go down to miami and do it the team we have just flattened for literally 20 years. I'm going to go down, watch, I'm going to do it in Miami. And he said, and Belichick is like, watch, I'm going to do it with Andy Dalton. So that's, uh, is there going to be a bit of a, a bit of a contest between the two of them? Even if he's in Tampa, is uh, Belichick sitting back and thinking, I'm going to take Jacoby Brissett and I'm going to take Andy Dalton. And so I always thought in the terms of it's risky for Tom Brady because he will feel I have to go back to a Super Bowl, right? But maybe he just wants to go to Tampa and be better than New England next year. Maybe it's not even about another ring. He has six rings. Uh, So the more I think about that, maybe for Belichick, it's going to be like, I'm going to take a guy, not just find a guy. I'm going to take a guy that 
nobody else really wants right now. And I'm going to I'm gonna make the playoffs with them. First of all, Landon, who do you think is going to be their quarterback next year? And do, do you agree with the semantics that maybe it's not even about championships between the two of them? Well, I, I agree with you that I think Andy Dahl makes the most sense. They've tagged Joe Tooney, and their contracts are pretty much a match. And I'm not sure. I would assume the Bengals would give up a latest round pick to get a guy like Tooney, an established all-pro level guard. So they get rid of Dalton because they're going to have Joe Burrow, and they trade a later round pick to get an established offensive lineman to protect Burrow. That makes a lot of sense. And I don't think there's animosity between Brady and Belichick, but it's both in their, it's just in their DNA that they're winners at all costs. Belichick won't tank or rebuild for the future. He's going to try and keep winning because that's all he ever knows. Brady went to, Brady went to Tampa Bay because that's all he knows, winning, competing it's not going to be a it's not going to be a contest between them to show each other up prove that they don't need each other it's just it's just who they are they like to win at all costs and both scenarios give them the best opportunity to do so well i think it could be dalton i think it could also be jared Sidham. you know word through some media outlets i've seen is that the the patriots are just really in love with Sidham and what he can do and going forward about being their guy so maybe there's some truth to that maybe some legitimacy i'm not sure it could be dalton it could be cam newton it could be a couple different people but i i think honestly the patriots i would be surprised to see them probably go less than 10 and 6 just because of who they are and what they do so i think kind of what you said it, it is kind of just be going to be now belichick versus brady and who can do better i think brady landing in Tampa Bay is really interesting they could they could go out and sign a todd Gurley, and then you know tomorrow our conversation changes a whole lot and hey is tampa really a contender <laughs> The interesting so, thing about them, I think they're a tackle away. I mean, they've got a good interior offensive line. I I think their defense is kind of building. I don't think they're a Super Bowl favorite or anything, but they could be really interesting. When you think about Tom Brady, he's going to play in a stadium in Tampa where it's never bad. I mean, the weather is never bad in Tampa. Um, so he'll have that, and then he'll play eight games there, Two more games in a dome in New Orleans and Atlanta. I just wonder if, like, he seems to think about everything. And all the advanced stats about him you can throw up because he throws the ball. He just knows he cannot take a hit. I wonder, some people think, oh, yeah, Tampa, it worked. Or maybe he just really, 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 really looked into everything. Because he and Arians aren't, like, a perfect fit. But if you watched last year, the guy still throws a pretty deep ball. The guy still got arm strength. He, they just didn't do that a lot. And I just think about Mike Evans is going to be a cross between the way they do but Randy Moss in 07 and across between that and Rob Gronkowski's best year. He has that potential because he has a body like Gronk and he, he runs like Randy, so to speak. He's not, not as fast, but he can be as productive. So if that all hits right, not to mention Godwin, not, not to mention Cameron Bray, no Jay Howard, you see why he went there for the weapons, right? And it's just going to be really weird to see him and also super fun to see like Drew Brees v. Tom Brady for the division. I just think it's oh, yeah. going to be... I think it's going to be good for the game. It's kind of like the NBA. These guys switch teams and it's more about the player. It's going to be like, that's going to be weird. And if it works, it's going to be awesome. And I wouldn't put anything past him. It's going to be really neat. Y'all both know I love Bruce Arians. So he's a kid in a candy store right now. It's just going to, this is the last two days. I don't remember. Yeah, we've had some crazy stuff happen, but this is, this is like NBA free agency. It is just really fun. And it's going to be even more fun to see these guys switch jerseys. Phillip Rivers as a Colt. Okay. <laughs> Tom Brady as a Buck, I guess it's, yeah, 
Okay. It's just going to be really fun. I think it's good for the league. Well, that's our final thoughts for now. We'll be back with you really soon because lots more is going to happen. Where's Logan Ryan going to end up? Who are we signing with this cap we've created? I just appreciate everybody listening. been a lot of fun. Share this out to your favorite Titans fan. We're going to miss Terrell Casey. We're going to miss Marcus Mariota. So just, man, all to all our fans that are really upset about losing Drill Casey today. Wait and see what happens. I know it's a tough day, but boy, been an interesting couple days. We'll talk to you guys soon. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.